Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, do you remember last summer in Australia? For months on end, we saw devastating images of drought. Barren land, kilometres of dried riverbeds, dead livestock and distraught farmers and their families. And then there was the fires. Australia was burning. Everyone was affected by the fires because we were either personally in a region of light or we knew someone who was and it consumed our news and TV. We saw so many stories of people's homes and lives destroyed and of course animals, livestock and koalas. It was awful to see and to live through. So we're about to start another season, summer season in Australia. I'm a bit worried. I'm worried about, I'm still living with the images of last summer and it seems as though each summer it gets worse and worse and worse. So what's going on? What's going on with our climate change? And today I have two women here with me in the podcast station and we're going to get soulful about our environment to chat about what's going on with our climate, how it impacts our community and what we need to do to conserve water in our region. So ladies, I've got Alex and Emma here with me. Hey Alex, how are you going? hello. So Alex Morris, you're a journalist, writer and content creator. So you're mm-hmm. a journalist with The Herald? Uh, yes, I'm a freelance, a freelancer, but I regularly contribute, so. Yes. Yep. And you're a passionate environmentalist. I am, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And tell us about, so last year you went to Al Gore's... Climate Reality Project. Um, it's a training. It's a kind of a weekend-long learning session with a lot of other people in Australia and we are just um, given a lot of information from scientists and researchers and it's kind of broken down into layman's terms and we're trained to come back to our communities and to start talking about it to start writing about it blogging about it having conversations like these but I've been I've been aware and worried about it since I went to university, but this was kind of, I guess, icing on the cake in terms of getting me motivated and and having a bit of a strategy moving forward. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. And of course, our second guest is Emma Berry. Emma is a engineer, environmental engineer. That's right. Yes. With Hunter Water. Correct. Now, I was reading your bio and I was like, damn, you've done a lot. (laughs) <laughs> 20 years experience in the water industry was that just in kind of government or for private organizations as well I've done a little bit of both actually I started out in private consulting world and then found my place in Hunter Water and have been there ever since but quite a diverse range of jobs during that time in Hunter Water yep. yeah and so you are also a member of the advisory board of Vitton's Adaptive Pathways Research Program in the Netherlands I am, yes. So that research program is about how we approach our long-term planning, both for water supply, um, but other burning issues such as sea level rise, for example. Um, And they're looking to apply some frameworks on a real-life situation. So I bring the practicality of the existing system to the table. They are a bunch of researchers who are looking at new techniques in terms of how we plan for long-term uncertainties. So we're trying to help each other out with some of the the approaches that we're adopting to to these challenges. It's the ultimate collab. 
<laughs> it is that the, the time difference can be challenging, but apart from that, um, we're both learning lots. That's wonderful. You're also a member of the Water Services Association of Australia, the Livable Communities Committee. I am, and that is a collection of water authorities around Australia um, who share learnings in terms of you know key water utility issues and challenges Um, and the LCC is predominantly about how do we deliver more livable outcomes for our community particularly in the light of climate change so we're we're looking at you know increasing urban heat we're looking at more severe storm events Um, so there's a range of issues there where we come to the table and, and collectively share our learnings. Wow. Well, thank you to both of you for coming in because I love that you're both passionate about the climate and about our community. It's fabulous. Thanks for having us. So, Alex, let's start with you. (laughs) (laughs) So, when did you first become passionate about our environment? Because I'm going to be honest with you. How old are you? 33. 33. Well, I thought you were 25. Oh, thank you. Take that as a compliment. I will, I will. So, Mm. I suppose I've probably to be fair and I'm Mm -hmm. in my 40s now Mm -hmm. I didn't really become aware of climate issues until I've you know like the last few years Mm -hmm. and we've certainly seen in our own city a lot of marches you know uh, lobbying government for change Mm. um, around policy and kids as well the kids at school school striking and all that stuff I know we've seen a lot of that in Australia and Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if you know last summer really was intense you know I think everybody I I had friends that went into depression watching the news yeah what was going on Mm. so you know I go I love that you are somebody a younger person who's really passionate yeah and when I went to university I went to a very environmentally friendly university in the states in the state of Asheville or excuse me the state of North Carolina in the city of Asheville and um, they pride themselves on environmentalism and I think um, and it's in the middle of the bush. You can go on bushwalks. Um, they grow their own food, um, which you, they serve in the cafeteria. Um, it's quite progressive. And I, I think um, just from attending school there, I grew up in South Carolina, which is not known for being climate conscious state in the US. It's in the, the deep south, I guess. But I attended this university and I became really interested in it and just aware that I hadn't thought about it a lot in my life. And this was, I graduated in 2009. And you know, professors were talking about climate change then. So this is a decade ago. And I remember attending, you know, seeing PowerPoint presentations about the problems with just um, fossil fuels recklessly being burned and going into our atmosphere and and this kind of lack of awareness about it then. So it's always been on my mind. um, And it kind of ties into everything else, actually, in a lot of ways, when you think about how, I guess, it's human activity and we're yep. all humans. Um, and, and there's a lot of science behind it. I'm not a scientist. And I, I like to preface this when I talk about it. I'm not a scientist, but I, I think I understand it and I'm a communicator. So I'm interested in talking about um, different ways that we can reduce some of our negative impact that we've been since basically the Industrial Revolution yep. um, <laughs> contributing so, to more and more. Yeah. So what does climate change what does that mean? I know mm. that sounds dumb and really broad, but no. I'm like, you know, we hear it all the time, climate yeah. change, climate change. What does that mean? It basically is, and Emma, please feel free to jump in if no, you're, no, no, because it's just because of human activity, because of burning of carbon pollution from fossil fuel industry, it's going into the atmosphere unchecked, more or less, and it is causing 
the climate to change, the temperature to change. It is having an effect on. So mm-hmm. my understanding yeah. was is that you know there's the with our in our atmosphere that mm. there has been an increase of greenhouse gases. Yeah. Um, into the atmosphere, and so it's causing our temperature to rise yes um i have a great slide from last year we are now and this was last year so this um, stats might have changed slightly but we're now spewing 110 million tons of man-made global warming pollution into the thin shell of our atmosphere every 24 hours as if it were an open sewer yeah. It's a pretty striking <laughs> bit of information and it's very different from like seeing litter on the ground. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like that's something we can register a little bit better than gases, which are harder to see, I think. I found a stat that says that the global average temperature has increased this last century 0. 0.2 to 0.6%. And that might sound insignificant, but it's already having impacts on our um, global air and ocean temperatures, rising global sea levels and widespread reduction in snow and ice cover. And so because of that, we're going to continue to see more and more extreme weather events like droughts, floods, heat waves, bushfires and so on. Yeah. Well, I mean, from our position at Hunter Water, we're, we're trying to deal with the impacts of that in a real sense. Yeah. And, and you think about the sea level rise, which is rising up to potentially up to a metre over the next 100 or so years. Yeah. That is a massive impact on all of our infrastructure, on, on our homes. Lake Macquarie, I believe, is the, is the local council that has the greatest impacts from sea level rise in terms of the number of homes that may be inundated. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that's one aspect of climate change. We're also dealing with urban heat and what that means for people's health and well-being as well. So there's multiple aspects. Alex, what's Mm. urban heat? I have understood that as basically you having a lot of um, concrete and blacktop and surface and it kind of traps it in a a city. Is that kind of... Well, the the concrete holds the heat. Mm. Um, And there's been studies done that indicate um, urban heat effect can be up to five degrees hotter in the urban centres where there's no greenery around compared to an area that there is more greenery around. Mm. So it's having a real impact on particularly older people, more vulnerable people in our community in terms of how they can manage that heat impact. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. So I, again, am a real lay person in terms of, you know, climate change and the environment I'll be honest with you which is why I have two experts here (laughs) not an expert just an advocate (laughs) no but I love that I love that because I again I'm so impressed at seeing you know people in our community rally and especially younger people coming together to rally that has brought like my attention has captured my attention if I hadn't seen all those marches I wouldn't have been aware of the issues but it's funny I know that Hunter Water have been running their Love Water campaign and I'm guessing in the lead up to summer because, you know, again, we saw the um, disastrous events of last summer and I probably would never have been somebody on the lookout or really had thought about water conservation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hear the stats, but until you see something or it impacts you directly, you don't necessarily always get it. And what I have observed is over the last five years or so, my family during Easter time, go to Lake Glenbourne or Glenbourne Dam mm-hmm. up in the Upper Hunter. So we actually, it's probably even longer than that, maybe six or seven years each Easter, we have been going and camping at Lake Glenbourne, which is a giant dam. And it got to the point where we couldn't go this 
year because of the COVID. But last year we went and the dam level was down around 30, 35%. And each year when we would go camping, you know, we would go camp and, and, and under these trees. And the trees used to be at the edge of the waterline. And we love mm-hmm. under those trees because, you know, our tents stay nice and cool. But the trees used to be on the waterline. And now you have to walk something like 150 metres to get to the water. And it's like clay and dried mud. And each year, the last few years when we have gone, we've actually looked it up. You can look up and see what percentage the dam is at. Last year, we still went and we almost didn't because we were like, oh my goodness, the dam is down to like 30, 35%. And it was horrific to see, I guess. And so for me, someone who's never, it's never really been on my radar, but that for me was like, boom, that was like the slap in the face going, oh my goodness, this is a real problem. Yeah, and and we saw that same story play out across broader New South Wales over the last, particularly over the last 12 months. But we saw inland communities literally run out of water. And it's communities who rely on this water. It's our farmers that rely on the water. In the Upper Hunter, we've got power stations. You know, 40% of our electricity comes from the Hunter region. Yeah. So the consequences of drought and not having adequate planning in place to ensure that we can manage these future uncertainties is immense. Yeah. Yep. And and not to mention the flow-on effects of those scenarios which impact, again, people's mental health and well-being, those people who rely on water for their work. We saw people leave out back towns because there was no water left. Mm -hmm. There was plenty of carting. That seems like, have you ever seen that movie Tank Girl? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Tank Girl. It's a cheesy 90s movie and it has some Naomi Watts in it. It was like her breakout movie in the 90s. (laughs) But it's actually about a world, there's no water left in the world. Mm, So water is the most precious commodity that there is. And it's a bit like um, watching Mad Max Fury Road, but yeah, and everybody's fighting Mm. for water. If you get Mm -hmm. a chance, okay, it is a bit cheesy in its (laughs) 90s, but but watch it because that is scary. It actually makes you go, what would we do if there was no water left in our world? Mm, Yep. I was actually um, at a barbecue yesterday mentioning to a few of my friends that I was doing this podcast and, and what it was about. And one of my friends said, oh, well, water is life. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's just so perfect, isn't it? Like, it's absolutely fundamental to everything that we do. So we've got to look after it. And that's what underpins the Love Water campaign at Hunter Water, which has been in place for a few years now. But it's all about creating that emotional connection between us and water. Is it something we don't think about? But I love that you went camping, Mel, and it's kind of a, a natural activity that is probably, if you have kids, you're taking them camping and it's like showing them to love nature and it's a cause yeah. and reaction, like just by that alone, even if there weren't protests, I'm sure that the whole family is suddenly like yeah. oh, seeing it and feeling it. Yeah, and- it's, it's it's shocking mm. to see it go. I think, you know, at, at the height that we saw, it was probably at 75%. To see it go down mm. each year to hit 35%. Mm-hmm. And you, yet again, you know, to see that waterline move 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 you know mm. it's um it's a, yeah. a visual like that whole experiencing but, it mm. and that is so powerful as well when you're talking about educating people and stuff like that because if you're someone who stays in the inner city and doesn't go out and doesn't experience these things you don't necessarily you just turn on the tap and you have water you don't necessarily think um, you don't notice it dropping and yeah. I also think it's kind of um, complex like you can't necessarily say that that specific example is because very specifically because of climate change, but it's a, a, a growing example of different things that we're seeing yep. that tend to point in that direction. Well, I mean, what we do know is mm-hmm. that climate change will make our water sources more vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. So that means some places might get more rainfall, other places might get less rainfall, but mm-hmm. in all likelihood, we'll have more variability 
mm. within our rainfall and our stream flow into our dams. And so we need systems in place that are able to manage that climate variability. And perhaps we're not quite there yet. We've got 120 odd years of rainfall data, which is what we do our planning on. We need to look more broadly than that to see well, what's happened over the past several thousands of years in terms of climate variability. And in fact, we're um, doing some work at the moment with the University of Newcastle on paleoclimate research. So the researchers at Newcastle University are looking at indicators such as you know, ice cores, stalactites, um, tree rings as well, to go back in time and have a look at what the climate has done over the last thousands of years. And we're taking that information to incorporate into our modelling and our processes so that we can be sure that we've got an adaptable system that can cope with what the future is going to bring. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. So where does our water supply come from? So the majority of our water for the Lower Hunter region comes from the Williams River, which is the easternmost tributary of the Hunter catchment. Is that underneath Raymond Terrace? Is it that, is. That, yep. yep, yep. It goes through Dungog down to Raymond Terrace. So we have a dam at the top of the Williams River called Chichester Dam. I um, came to there when I was a kid. There yeah. you go. Beautiful yeah. spot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that's at the foothills of the Barrington Tops National Park. We get excellent rainfall up there. And so that dam, even though it's quite small, it fills and empties really quickly and it's quite reliable. Our main water sources are called Grahamstown Dam. So it's located down near Raymond Terrace near the Tomigo area. It's we take water and transfer it from the Williams River over to Intergrams Town Dam via a big pump station. It it also collects wow. some water from its local catchment as well. But that's our largest storage at about two hundred thousand megalitres of water is in that dam. It's a big flat dam with a large surface area. So in the peak of summer when the weather's really hot and the winds are blowing, we can actually lose as much to evaporation from that source as we do supply to the Lower Hunter region. So you're saying that, so that's one of the impacts of the rising temperature that's is evaporation. Right. That's right, a- yep. So not only do we have more variable rainflow and streamflow coming into our sources, but things like increasing temperature will also impact our water supply as well. What about Glenbourne Dam? Glenbourne Dam supplies the Upper Hunter, so it doesn't supply Lower Hunter sources. We predominantly have Chichester, Grahamstown. We've also got a, a large sand bed aquifer located at Tomigo, and that's a really important drought reserve for us. So yeah. if you can imagine, it's it's almost like a dam that sits underground in the sand, and the gaps between the sand is where the water is stored. So during drought, we operate the Tomigo sand beds to supplement our other existing supplies. So in the last 12 months during the drought we've just had, the Tomigo sand beds played an absolutely critical role in making sure that we didn't run out of water. So well, a really important reserve. I've just learned something new today. Mm. Have you ever been to Hoover Dam? I yeah, know no. that's in the States. I was just there in um, in December, actually. And I think I went as a kid, but when we went back home at Christmas, we went and drove across it. It's like epic. It's pretty massive. It's isn't epic. It? Yeah, Do you know what? Yeah. It really is epic. It is enormous. Mm. And um, my hubby and I went a couple of years ago and we went and, yeah, got out and did the we didn't get to do the damn damn tour but we but we went and stood on the edge and looked down and it's it's like uh, enormous you just can't believe it it changed the entire like course of the west coast of the united states as well by building that too because it it basically created las vegas from what i understand because they didn't have water out there and suddenly that's that's the you know so dams are 
powerful things that can completely change the infrastructure and cities. Yeah, and yeah, they, have, they have impacts on the water course, obviously, mm. but on the flip side, they can also provide hydro um, yeah, yeah, electricity yeah, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've got to make sure we're using those those systems for, for good yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does community water use affect our water supply? Like we, we, we can understand, you know, from what you were saying about how um, climate change yep. with evaporation can affect our water supply, but what about human consumption? So obviously our system is a balance of supply, what we're reliably able to supply through our system and demand for our water. So the higher our demand is, the quicker that our storages will deplete. Typically in any given year, our community uses just under 70,000 million litres water per year. That equates to around about 190 litres per person per day in rough terms. During the peak of the drought that we've just had, where the community, you know, did a fantastic job in saving water. We, we put the call out there. I think people were really are much more cognizant of the fact that we're in drought and, mm. you know, this is really important. We reduced water supply to around 150 litres per person per day. So so we know we can do it. So what was it? It's, it, it's typically around 190 litres per person per day and we reduced it to about 150 litres per person per day. Yeah. So what we're aiming to do now is to lock in those savings. Yeah. We know that the community, when, they, when they're mindful of their water use, they can save water. It's the simple things around the home that mean a lot yeah. and can save a lot. So let's lock those gains in. And not go back to our previous behaviours. What do you need to conserve water? Well, I was just thinking about how last year in the in the heat of it, um, I had a bucket in the shower. That was mm-hmm. one of the tips I said to save water. And then you can water your plants with that or yep. wash your hands later. And I've stopped doing that. <gasps> and that's you're reminding me how important that was. And that's, and it's, um, it's so interesting to talk to you, Emma, because I think um, when I think about water, it's like when there's a drought, you have to um, conserve. When we've had a lot of rain, I think I'm not even necessarily thinking about mm. how long my showers are. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and it's really, yep. um, I guess, if everyone consistently does it all the time, then you don't have to worry about droughts. Well, right. Not as much. Not yeah. as much. You still yep. got to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that showers use about 30% of the household water use, and it's our biggest discretionary use of water, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't stop some end uses of water use, mm-hmm. um, but certainly showers, we think that we can get some gains in that space. So typically you'd use about 10 litres per minute that you're in the shower. So I would just like to quick. say, I'm like a super kick super quick shower I'm like in and out <laughs> in and out mm. I go I'm not one of those yeah. people that likes to solve the problems of the world yeah. I, I actually just go I've got so much to do on my day boom in out well yeah. well that's great <laughs> Look, we've done some some research across or it's research across broader Australia to try and understand the behaviors around showers and lots of people have showers to think to relax to get away from the kids so you know we're really encouraging our community to say mm, is that the best way to to use your time in the shower when you are having an impact on your water so try and limit your showers to four minutes put on a favorite song that's four minutes long to remind you to to jump out Hunter water delivered water timers to everyone through the last drought in our region so use your water timer and i know people that actually still use those great mm, that's good yeah. i still use mine i want one i need to use yeah i need one i <laughs> i only wash my hair like once a week 
<laughs> on average, on yeah. average, four, four minutes. Yes, yes, that's right. It's okay. fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so yeah, that's one of our key messages to say, just be more mindful about how you're using water in the home. There's other simple things like turn the tap off when you're cleaning your teeth, yeah. um, scrape your plates before you put them in the dishwasher as opposed to rinsing them. Plenty of simple things that you can do that we all demonstrated that we did during the drought. Mm. Um, so let's just make that the normal. My hubby and I stopped watering our garden and our grass died off, like really died off. And unfortunately, I didn't know about the grey water thing. I now know about the grey water from, from your um, laundry. So we started doing that towards the end yep. um, is, is doing the grey water. And um, although I my granny did tell me about that, but I hadn't hadn't done it but somebody was like yeah just do this so we started doing that you know and it started to bring our lawn back a bit but um yeah it's taken it's taken nearly a year but it sits back again but you know again what seeing all those images on tv I remember feeling this real sense of how can I not do something Mm. to play a part if I'm part of this community and there are people suffering we all have a responsibility to chip in and do what we can and that was one thing was yeah no. although it's funny because our marais didn't die and <laughs> damn <laughs> and uh, and somebody said i put that on social media going really weird here's our dead grass but the like oh no it's not marais it's a box hedge box hedge is totally fine and then somebody said it's because the box hedge will take then take all the water from the ground before the grass does. Oh, so yeah, that's yeah. why the box edge was fine, grass gone. But yeah. that's such an interesting topic as well. Um, I've done a lot of stories um, about permaculture mm-hmm. in the region. And one of the philosophies around gardens and stuff like that is um, you don't necessarily have to have grass, like trying to, if you have a bit of land, uh, planting Australian natives that are used mm. to the heat and stuff like yep. that. There's like really creative ways. If you have a bit of land that you can, um, you know, grass is nice and green. And if you have kids and stuff like that, there's a yep. lot of things. But I mean, there's also, and in, and I think in some desert areas in the United States, they just have rock. Um, rock gardens. <laughs> yeah, rock gardens, yep. which are not very green, but <laughs> yeah, ultimately yeah. are probably better. <laughs> and we definitely encourage people, plant natives. Like there's plenty of information on our website or other websites that, you know, give you some guidance in terms of what to plant. One interesting fact I actually learned during the drought was, was just the application rate of watering your lawn. I mean, I'd, I'd water my lawn and leave the sprinkler on for a few hours with, within mm. the designated hours that you're allowed to. Yes. But we, we brought on a, a expert irrigation specialist to try and get an understanding of, well, how much watering do you actually need to do? You only need 10 to 20 minutes yep. of watering to get enough water on your lawn to keep it alive. Yep. In summer, you might want to do that maybe every second or third day. In winter, it's once a week at best. Yeah. But don't put your sprinkler on for, for hours. It's just not necessary. Mm. It, it 10 to 20 minutes is, is quite enough. So I want to say to both of you, I've heard many a person, an older person, and probably heard this last summer, do you know what? Climate change, it's not a thing. There's been bushfires and droughts mm. throughout the history of the world. Um, you know, it's all a bit of a beat up. I'll do what I damn want. What do you say to that? Lucky you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank God for generational change. <laughs> I mean, if you're, yeah, and you know, if you are in your 80s or your 70s, it's really easy to say, not my problem, mate. But then some of us mm-hmm. are like trying to decide if we want to have kids or not because we don't know what kind of world we might be bringing them into. So it's, yeah. it is really hard, um, particularly it's, a, I mean, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, Emma, because I, I think that a, a lot of the challenge comes with the idea of, 
consumption. Like we need to, we need to have a system where we can sell things and make things. And, and a lot of the idea behind climate change is because of this industry, we're having really negative results. So a lot of people don't like to think about like we've just never thought about cause and effect like this before mm -hmm. and they I guess kind of keep their head in the sands because there's plenty of information out there that's accessible and understandable the climate reality project is a great example of where you can find a lot of very basic facts about how it works and yeah. science scientists who have backed it and, and I, I think you've just got to look at the evidence really there's multiple streams of evidence coming through that are supporting that climate change is happening we are seeing it on the ground with our variability in rainfall a number of other you know drivers that are, that are occurring out there so you know I, I think it's well established that it is occurring what we need to do is put programs in place that mitigate that impact, for example, renewable energy mm. programs, but also prepare ourselves for a more unstable future. And we need to do that now. Mm. So Emma, this summer, what do we need to do in terms of our water? So we need to stay mindful of our water use. And like I was saying before, it's this, it's the simple things that everybody can do around the home that makes the difference collectively. So if you think that, you know, having a 10 minute shower is no big deal, if everyone has that approach, then it all obviously adds up. Hunter Water is being very proactive in this space, not just through the Love Water campaign, but we're also working with commercial businesses as well. They use, or commercial and, and industry uses about 30% of our annual water supply. So we're working very closely with those companies to make sure they have water efficiency, water efficiency management plans in place. We're doing a lot of work around reducing leakage right across the system. So again, you know, in your household, if you know that there are leaks around get them fixed. Um, it can all add up and you know, it's the equivalent to having an extra person in your house, having a leaking toilet, for example. And we could be saving 40 litres per person per day, mm. as you saw last summer. Absolutely. Like some of the water authorities in Victoria are at the forefront of this and they're, they're down to around 155 litres per person per day. So I, I think we can do the same. We've shown that we did do it through the drought. So let's not go back to our old behaviours, but let's stay mindful and, and make it the norm. Are our dams filling up? Yeah, they are actually. So we're currently about 88%, which is great. It did drop down to 52%, which is the lowest we've seen in 40 years. So that was last summer? That was in February this in year. February, yep. yep. And, you know, to be honest, it was a really stressful time. Our storages are, are relatively small compared to our population and they also um, have high losses. So evaporation, which I mentioned before, but also losses from our groundwater system as well. So what that means is our storages are quite vulnerable to drought. They drop quickly. They can drop up to 5% per month during the summer months. They fill quickly too, which is great, um, but during a drought, they, they can fall pretty quickly. And so if we're looking towards climate independent solutions, we don't have a lot of time to put something in place to make sure that this region doesn't run out of water. So we all need to chip in. We absolutely do. And we also need to make sure we've got plans in place that we can roll out these plans if we're heading into a drought and make sure that, you know, we've got a secure water supply. So my girlfriend, Nadzi, said to me um, a few weeks ago when the Love Water campaign was, was going on, she said that there's an old slogan she sang to me a number of times. If it's yellow, let it mellow. Mm -hmm. If it's brown, flush it down. And she was referring to the toilet. Mm -hmm. Is that something that... <laughs> We well, need to make a Hunter Water jingle. Well, it's, it's, it's not an official line of Hunter Waters, but I mean, like we were saying before, that the biggest discretionary use of water in the home is your showers. So if you want to target your water use, 
I'd say go after your showers first. But possibly if it is yellow, you can let it mellow. If you choose. If you choose to. to. If you choose to, That's that would be That's an interesting okay. one. That was one at our university. There was like a thing because kids were just like not flushing toilets. And then the like the cleaning crew was like, we're actually having to use more cleaning product. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I think like if you're in a household, yeah. it's very different than if you're like in a perhaps a work environment. Uh, I'd you say know? in public. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't adopt that because that's a nasty surprise. Actually, yes. If you're in a public place in a public toilet, it's just flush all the time. If you're Please. in your own home, you can get away with it. Like, maybe. You know, use the, the half-flush. To- toilets Which use- is so great that Australia yeah. has that. They don't yeah. have – they're just kind of coming up yeah. with that in the United States, for example. So Australia's like, kind of well aware of things, I think, in other we countries. We are the driest aren't. continent on the yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? In the States – I remember the first time I ever went to the States, which was back in 1999, and um, backpacking – and I remember even in some of those backpacking toilets. I was there then in 99. <laughs> backpacking backpacking in 99 around the States. <laughs> what a coincidence. But it was the first time I think I went to the movies in San Francisco and got up off the toilet and it flushed. And I was like, Ooh. oh, gosh. What? At the what? airports and stuff like that. It it drives me crazy because I guess you don't. It's a little more sanitary, but they'll just mm. flush at the drop of the hat when you haven't even like sat. Down I know you yet. just kind of yeah. wiggle on the seat. Next thing it flushes and you get splashed. Oh. Yeah, I don't. I think that yeah. That when you talk about long term planning, I'm curious about things like that because I think surely, like you've barely moved and they're flushing. And how many times a day are extra toilets flushing? Unless yeah. it's recycled water, maybe if it's recycled water. Well, there's water, plenty then. of people who who have rainwater tanks in their mm. private homes that are connected to the toilet they're connected to the laundry as well so yeah. where there are options of alternate supplies we sh- certainly should be looking towards that yeah if people already have a rainwater tank um connected to their home like check that it's working properly we've done some studies which indicate around 35 percent of existing rainwater tanks are actually not working as designed mm. so it's often the simple fixes um to make those to get the benefits from the existing ones that are there without having to spend a whole heap of money of putting a, a new rainwater tank in yeah my sister Rushi has a rainwater tank. I know. I've been to her place. Oh, actually. there you go. Every <laughs> day. <laughs> we've just discovered that our, well, our sons are both friends. Don't you love this? I love this world. Yep. I love the connections. <laughs> yep. It's awesome. Okay. So are there any last tips or advice that you would like us to know or information? I think the, the other piece of information is that, you know, as I've mentioned a few times now, it's critical that we plan for this future so that we are more adaptable and, and we know we're going to have to be more resilient in this future. So we've been doing a lot of work over the last few years um, on the development of our long-term water plan. It's, it's called the Lower Hunter Water Security Plan. Um, we've been working with state government, other stakeholders, and been doing lots of community engagement to ensure that the, our community's values are reflected in our decision-making. So we are coming up to a critical point in that Lower Hunter Water Security Plan where we're going back to our community and asking them about their views of different water supply and demand options. So we'll be looking at things like more recycled water, more stormwater harvesting, um, obviously more water conservation, that's a no-brainer, but also potential sources such as groundwater, desalination, dams, connecting with other regions as well so we can move the water around. So we're really keen to understand what the community's views are around all of these options so that we can make sure our planning reflects those views. So are you calling for people to reach out to you? Yes. Yeah, so water? in the next couple of weeks, so towards the end of this month, we will be going out with um, some community surveys. Yep. Um, it is a, it's about a 20-minute survey or thereabouts. There's lots of good information in there. You can take on board as little or as much as you as you want, but 
encourage the community to go and have their say so that we can make sure we we develop a plan that's for everybody and not just something that mm. you know hunter water ones for example so can people reach out to the maybe via the hunter water website if they want more yep, info there's about hunter that? water website um there's a your voice page at hunter water as well there's plenty of information already on there about the long-term plan and options to have your say Fabulous. And Alex, you keep you keep writing. You keep raising will, awareness I was, and I was presenting. Just thinking, and, there's um yeah. there's a few different local environmental organizations if anybody wants to know more about them. One that I think of off the top of my head is the Hunter Community Environment Center. They're very um, hardcore about what they do and there's a lot of other ones as well so there's a lot of local initiatives and if anybody wants to ask me I'm happy to direct you to different people because they need members they need people to act so so yeah. they can reach out to you yeah, via, yeah sure via um, Instagram. Instagram Twitter Facebook it's Alex Morris Wright so um, all one yeah. one Alex Morris Wright yes yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful yeah hey thank you so much Thank you both of you for coming on and and having this conversation, especially I think it's really prudent with what we've gone through in our community and moving into another hot summer. It's 36 degrees apparently out there today. Mm. Yeah, and I'm really glad you two have connected. I'm actually thinking, Alex, you've got a source here when you do your writing and your presentations and information sourcing in Emma. Yep, and look, Hunter Water's doing lots of great things around the sustainability space. It's not just water. Um, We're looking at converting our wastewater streams into more recyclable water into energy sources as well um we're looking at circular economies so cool. there's lots of interesting cool. stuff going on cool beautiful well thank you sister soul sisters thank you for coming <laughs> thank on you, Mel. it's Pleasure. so important that you're asking and talking about this as well with what you do so it's great Yay. it's great thank you <laughs> everybody wins yay thanks ladies <laughs> thanks for listening to hey soul sister with mel histon what would help you on your crazy life journey email melissa at thesistercode.com